0: I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome Terry Canover and Phil Stigel back to the show today. Um, How are you doing since we last spoke, Phil?
1: We're continuing the big thaw.
0: Yeah, continuing the big thaw. Good stuff. Still, Still melting out, still digging out. Excellent. Terry, how are you doing?
2: Playoff basketball fever. Just trying to survive in advance.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We should say no more. So, we are following up on the really good episode of Mid-South Wrestling last week as we move into March 1985. So this started in October 1983, this podcast, and now we're in March 1985. Crikey, the world is turning. Um, and that is the very month that the first WrestleMania emanated from Madison Square Gardens to give a bit of context to the time period. And most importantly, or more importantly for Mid-South, their brief run on TBS was about to start as they aired the regular Mid-South show that would have appeared in local markets around four weeks earlier in the mid-afternoon of Sunday, March 10th, 1985. Um, so the result was that for a period of around three weeks, WTBS was airing wrestling from three different promotions. The WWF, um, Ole Anderson's Georgia version of Georgia, what well, version of Georgia Championship Wrestling at the time, Championship Wrestling from Georgia, and also Mid-South. So do you guys have any memories of Mid-South suddenly being available on WTBS with the other promotions, albeit presumably you'd have seen um, what I'd already had? Terry, you, you, you shout first as you're on my screen. Do you remember this around this time?
2: No, honestly, I I don't, uh, and I think we may have touched on this briefly. You know, uh, I graduated high school in '85.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah. to that point, either I had graduated already, or I was just more worried about going to Bourbon Street and getting drunk. <laughs>
0: uh, yes. But, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, so I, I kind of lose some some stuff here.
0: Yeah. Joe, just just before I ask you, so back in the day. We used to get raw, believe it or not. So raw, obviously, has always been Monday nights. We used to get raw at ten o'clock on a Friday evening. So you had to wait all week, and and you, there were work the internet, wasn't so prevalent in the late nineties. You could there was a there was a hotline you could phone. So if I went out on a Friday night, I would VHS tape. Um, Raw, and then I'd sometimes watch it when I got in from a night out. And I, I, the next morning, I'm have i aware that I've watched Raw, but I don't think I can remember any of it, and I have to watch it again. So, yeah, those those are my sort of late night. I, so our high school is a bit different. So, our high school finished at 16, and you go on to do like kind of like uh, sort of I guess it's a bit like junior college, and then real college is 18 or real university. Um, so I, I I was GCS, I say GCS is not gonna mean anything, so 16 was 98. But 2000 was, year going out a lot when I was sort of 17, 18. So, yeah, I remember that only too well. And, Phil, what do, you, do you remember this in terms of WTBS and, like, Mid-South popping up? I do because, uh, as I mentioned before, there's a period
1: of time where I could see an episode of Mid-South twice, but then it hit – here's here's what would happen. Let's say the new – in our area, the new episode of Mid-South would come out on a Saturday around noon. Yeah. Then it went through a period of time where on the Friday night before – they would show the rewind from the previous Saturday. Okay, yeah. Okay, so in a period of time where I'd see those episodes twice back then, which is why I had some memories of it. But then it was channel, uh, you know, we got cable TV, and it was WTS was you know the super station, channel seventeen for us, and so they would play it. And so there was a period of time there where I could see an episode three times, uh, and that's why I had I think some uh, things you remembered so well and then some things you don't and so then you know the days of cave favor over later not not watching a lot of wrestling or or seeing some but i'll run into somebody say i'm watching um in 2005 i'm watching you know wwe and i've got a buddy and we'll say hey did you remember this happening in the mid-south and it was like so long ago you know it's 30 years ago and we had those memories of the of the mid-south and so it's just great to get in here and talk about them again. Yeah, you know? definitely. And I,
0: I, I, what, I bet those were because we, we probably take it for granted now. In terms of, I'm sure your systems work probably set pretty similar to ours. In terms of, if you want to record something, you just press a button on your on your cable system right. your satellite system. But back then, I remember. I remember um, SummerSlam '97. I set to record on VHS on, you know, old old VHS tapes. And my, I think my mum had an obsession with switching off the television at the wall, switching the power off because my dad and my mum thought that if they didn't switch the power off the television, there'd be a fire, which never happened. Right, um, right, yeah. right, So I didn't get it. And I, I went in the morning, you got the old fuzzy like lines and stuff and the gray. And I was, I was absolutely devastated. I remember I, the next day I cycled to my friend's house that was probably about, it was easily a forty-five minute cycle away. Right. Forty-five minutes there, forty-five minutes back. At seven in the morning, after day. Did you have paper? You have paper rounds in America in terms of people no. like, kind of teen, young teenagers delivering your newspapers in the morning? Yes, we did back then. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I used to be a paper, and I went and I went and did that. So I, I imagine, but taping stuff was a hassle, wasn't it? So I imagine those. It was. Let me let me tell you my first experience with my own
1: first VCR mm. tape. That now you going to remember. VC VC VHS tapes are at a premium. I mean,
3: you're
1: on a button to buy them and then we'd use them and watch something and then try to reuse them. Yeah. I probably now I'm telling you, 1982, a good quality VHS machine cost 400 US American dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My first experience with VHS tapes, once I learned how to use them, was going to the local movie rental store and renting them for the weekend
3: yes and you bring it
1: home get you get your three or four tapes and you get the machine and you'd rent it yeah um, so uh, that was probably I was probably doing that in 86 87 yeah 1986 1987 it
0: just wasn't a no you just couldn't record stuff no time. you couldn't and then I think I think those um those mid-south repeats on a Friday evening and I remember the WCW Nitro um, I, I think they, I can't remember they did it straight after Nitro ended. They may have done. You guys probably know better than me because I didn't ever see it in America, but there was a Nitro replay that used to do phenomenal numbers. Maybe they mm-hmm. aired it on TNT and then went straight back into it from the start, maybe at 11pm or something like that. Um, yeah, Which we fact, would do right, a couple yeah. of, couple, yeah, was that right? Yeah, a couple of million people would watch that. It's like, it's just unbelievable but um i remember talking about vhs stuff there's a you see these old photos of adverts in in like W F magazine from like the very first coliseum home videos maybe like a hulk hogan collection maybe andre the giant stuff like that they were like i think if memory says me correct they were like 50 60 dollars for that, for that hour and a half vhs tape and, and i'm sure films are probably expensive hence why the rental business was so good for so many years wasn't it in terms of I mean, we used to go into Blockbusters and rent movies and, and video games later and stuff, and it was a you know a license to print money, really, wasn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And if we could find a VH store that rented anybody's wrestling tapes, yeah, you know, uh, we would we would get those. Obviously, they're few and far between. But I can remember watching, uh, rewatching um, episodes of different territories wrestling. You might have Ric Flair pitching a VHS tape.
0: Of some Starcade, It was 49 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So serious yeah. money, because you think now, like a I don't know, you I know pay-per-view is far more expensive in the States than it is here, but at WrestleMania, although net it'll be on the network, let's say AEW is a better example, actually. AEW's got a pay-per-view in a couple of weeks and that'll be 20 pounds here, so 23, 24 dollars. I know pay pay-per-view is a lot more expensive there because you guys yeah. get it in prime time where in the middle that. of the night. But yeah, Terry, but yeah,
1: Terry, do you know what do you know how much a pay-per-view is over there? Like if we're gonna watch, uh, if we're gonna watch MMA or if we're gonna watch the big boxing match, it's our eighty, ninety dollars. You know what it is over there?
2: No idea.
0: So Conor McGregor, no. Conor McGregor's yeah. last fight was nineteen
2: ninety nine. Holy man! See, I, I, I always think of paper per views being in the thirty dollars range, but I don't never rent them, so I, I, I had no clue.
0: Oh yeah, I think I, that's probably 80
2: dollars $80 HD. Is
0: it Phil now? Oh absolutely. McGregor, absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then there is a big difference there because here, the Conor McGregor fight was at 5 a.m. So, um, uh, you know, so I, I get like Anthony Joshua and I think Anthony Joshua's um, when he won the fight, won the title back from Ruiz was in uh, maybe Saudi Arabia and that was a 9 p.m. start here. And I think that was the most expensive pay-per-view we've ever had. And I think that was 25 pounds. So... You know, add dollar and pound is not to just one of those. So twenty seven, twenty eight dollars. Uh, but the diff, the big difference is obviously if, if if Conor McGregor was fighting here at nine or ten o'clock in the evening, um, and we didn't have lockdown and COVID wasn't a thing, I might have ten people around to watch that. And if you want, if you wanted to, you could you could split the cost. But five a.m. Though to be fair, some of I don't know if you were sort of are you much of a fan of boxing over the years, Phil. Uh, certainly, as a as a as a youth, I was more of a boxing fan
1: then. Mm. I mean, I, I will catch some now uh, if I'm if I'm paying. Um, I haven't rented any boxing pay per view myself, but if it was one of the bigger fights, maybe me and my son would get together and split it, or the yeah. son-in-law would come over. So I don't know boxing as much now as I used to back in in the heyday of the heavyweights. But yeah,
0: some of a fan because because we we used to we would stay up for like the tight the Tyson I guess Tyson. Tyson, Holyfield, one and two, I stayed up for. So again, you're talking like 4.35 in the morning. But the really big one for us in recent years, or well, recent years, is 13 or 14 years ago, was Ricky Hatton and Floyd Mayweather. I don't know if you remember that uh-huh. one, but Ricky Hatton was an archaic hero for us. And I think I probably had eight or nine people around my parents, which they loved because right. they wouldn't be able to sleep all night. And that was a 5 a.m. start. But that was winter time. When, when Hatton fought Pacquiao, um, that was May. And it was light here by the time that started. So that's our uh, that's how late it was because you're basically because you're Vegas wow. time. So it's five, I think it was 5.45 by the time that started. But luck, well, luckily or oh, unluckily, it didn't last very long, so we were able to go to bed. So we've. Uh, we, right. you, what, what about you, Terry? You, you a boxing fan? What was? Are you into any, any any other combat sports other than uh, the best one, obviously, that is wrestling? No, I'm
2: I'm really not. Um, sorry, my phone battery. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm really not. I. Um, and honestly, you know, I don't even watch wrestling much now. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when it comes around to WrestleMania time, I'll kind of regroup and watch it so I can enjoy WrestleMania. If I go to a WrestleMania event, I'm going to the uh, periphery stuff. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the fan fest and the old school stuff. And, you know, my daily routine here is w- when my wife is taking a shower or taking a bath, I'll put on YouTube and watch old 70s yeah. and 80s You know, so re- really that's that's kind of the, the the size of it for me. I don't, I don't watch m- much of the new stuff at all, and I don't watch MMA or boxing or anything else.
0: No, I don't watch any WWE now. I- I'm going to watch WrestleMania because I'm, I'm quite excited about them trying to do that in front of a crowd at where the Super, Super Bowl was. It's um, a similar sort of crowd, and I presume done in a similar sort of way. Um, but yeah, I, I watch AEW week to week, and I watch as much New Japan as I can. But um, yeah, it's just not, nothing's quite, I don't know if you guys find this, I don't know how you, or you found this with your football, but nothing's quite the same at the moment as it would have been normally with crowds. So it is, you know, nothing quite lives up to how previous it would have been. Um, but something that does live up to expectations every week, and that's Mid-South Wrestling. So on with the show. We have Boyd Pearce and Bill Watts at the desk, um, and a very understated look for Boyd with his Mid South brand jacket on. Um, Terry Taylor defends the Mid South Television title this week against Tim Horner. Gino Hernandez is here, which I'm excited about. Plus, Ice Making Parsons versus Kamala. Uh, Buddy Landell takes on the modern day warrior Kerry Von Erich, who I'm really looking forward to seeing. He Kerry um, was he was around in the WWF just as I started watching. So when I first got satellite television, I was nine. Um, the first pay-per-view I ever saw was Somersam 90, where he beat Mr. Perfect for the title, for the intercontinental title. And also around that time, I'd get USWA stuff on some random sports channel that, we, that no longer ceased to exist about 35 years ago. But they showed, interestingly, Phil, the highlights of that from Texas Stadium, the first one when he beat Ric Flair. So like as a nine-year-old, I'm like, I'm trying to, I know this, I know this is older than what's happening now, but it's all about kind of building the jigsaw puzzle of kind of like what's actually happening, right. who are these guys? Um, so, what said last week, one of the most disgusting things happened since he was in charge of Mid South, and that was deviantly destroying Duggan's car. Um, what said they're not going to show the footage again, and it's in the hands of the authorities now, and up to Duggan what he wants to do in terms of pressing charge. I thought it was a nice touch that what sort of specified that, that that was the case so that's the way out of it basically Duggan's like you know too much of a tough guy to press charge or whatever and um, Watts says he couldn't um boys, how bad he felt about it he said he had been doing some soul searching a month ago he outlawed several items to try and prevent a fatality in there and Watson said he felt like if you took the guns away from America the outlaws would still have the guns because they always managed to get them and he feels he's kid- he's handicapped some of the guys, so he's rescinding that rule. From now on, it's got to be man to man, you have to fight fire with fire. It's like going out there with a one with one arm behind your back and the other guy has a blackjack. I could have Googled this, but first throw this out there at the risk of embarrassment. <laughs> what is a blackjack? It is an old-fashioned tool.
1: Uh I don't know. Terry was it leather with something metal in it, but it was a handheld device. that you'd knock somebody over the head with, and knock them out.
2: Yeah, that, that's, that's the one, the one I remember. It would have been uh, a little piece of, leather, um, uh, and then it had something heavy in it and, and you could just whack the, whack the heck out of somebody.
1: You know, a handle, something you hold in your hand and the leather piece would, would be flexible with something really heavy in it. And you just whack, come up. It's something that in our movies from the '30s and '40s,
0: gangsters would use when they go up mug somebody. Ah, okay. I'm glad I didn't Google it. Now, because that's a very, very good, good explanation. <laughs> so we're just <laughs> having a bit of an, a bit of an adventure here on Zoom because Terry's <laughs> phone's about to die, and he's taking us on a tour of his uh, of his facility there. And um, we're I, now I in his car. I should have you around. Yeah, we should have done a tour. I'll tell you what. He was. I don't know how he did it. Obviously bit of a James Bond in disguise there but he, I could see him moving there was no noise that was really really stealth so I'm very impressed with that Terry very very Thank good you. stuff yeah good stuff Thank you. so um hey. I've spent the past two weeks charging
1: everything I got out of the vehicle because the power outage.
0: Oh, yeah. Storm, so. That's awful. That's mm-hmm. awful. And, you, and, and it was still the snow was way too deep even to attempt to go out with your in your sort of truck fill. by what you said was we saying last week?
1: Oh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. not even close. I mean, you know, four five, six inches of snow. Yeah, no problem. Mm. But no, for days, you just the snow's just too deep. It's above your wheels.
0: Oh my god, that's, that's that's quite incredible. What's what's up? do you have? Uh, are the, uh, well, are, are Oklahoma pretty well prepared for it in terms of plows and stuff, or not not really because it's not a thing that kind of. No, happens um, Oklahoma is
1: notorious for just being able to clear a few main roads. Yeah, um, yeah, they're not. Um, uh, um, we don't get a lot of precipitation during the winter. Mm. Normally, we'll get. An ice storm that's a half inch of ice and then it melts off in just a day or two. Or if we do get four or five inches of snow, it melts off in a day or two. It's it's these long stretches
0: that are not, they just don't have the resources and they don't prepare for them because they're once every 10 years. Yeah, same as same as same as us, really. I think we we had one thing years and years and years ago, maybe maybe 10 or 15 years ago, where we had maybe, maybe a foot, which which wiped the whole country out for a week, basically. Right. But it's like, as you say, like you, haven't, you know, if you're never going to get that, you haven't got the, the budget for it. So um, first up, we've got the Mid-South television title. Tim Horner, um, who I thought got a pretty good reaction and I've liked a lot um, while I've seen him going up against Terry Taylor. Big heart-shaped sign at ringside with Terry's fans written on it, which warmed the heart. Um, Bill Watts said that Taylor reminded him of Clark Kent and said it was a pleasure to see a scientific match with two great wrestlers. What's mentioned, as we mentioned last week, actually, it was an overflow crowd at the Irish McNeil Boys Club and it did look packed to the rafters here. And what's mentioned that wrestling had been knocked by the national media recently, but the fans have continued to come out and watch. So I wondered if either of you had any clue as to what, she, what he could have been talking about in March 85. I wondered if this could have been the 2020 thing involving John Stossel and David Schultz, but that was what, the end in December was that again? 84. What um, so, was the so what, what said that? Um, what said that wrestling had been knocked by the national media recently? But this was this was a good sort of three months after that twenty twenty, with when I think Stossel asked David Schultz whether it was fake, and Schultz gave him a, a yes. hit him or something, or put him in a headlock yeah. or something like he's that. Didn't he? But
1: he yeah. slapped him upside
0: the head. And it yeah, that's it. permanent damage. Yeah. Um, I do, yeah, I don't know whether it was something else. So I know there was like a secret sort of wrestling thing around this time as well, but I don't know if that was before or afterwards, but maybe he was alluding to something along those lines. That was a that was a big deal. And also
1: I mentioned before that some of uh, some wrestlers that appeared on like Sally Jesse Raphael or hmm. Phil Donahue show, some would credit it, and some would discredit it, you know, but there's there, a bunch of it had started coming out at that point, but it could be, Either the Stossel thing or what you said about the the Secrets Pro Wrestling that yeah. I'm surprised that I can't. Who was that, that did that? I'm
0: surprised he didn't get murdered by somebody trying to protect kayfabe. Oh, who was I can't that? remember who it was now. Um, because there was a later oh. one that Harley Race was involved with, but it wasn't that. It's not that one. That that's like the '90s one. Um, just a quick look at this. It's oh, talking Sigurds-
2: about uh, was it uh, Eddie Mansfield The Continental Lover? Eddie yes. Mansfield? Yes, yeah,
0: and it's '87, I think. So uh um, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, he did the blade job and everything. He showed him yeah. how to blade and yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, but Mansfield was also on ABC's 2020. So I think he he was like a double sort of double header, actually, because he, I think he was involved with the Stossel show as well. But yeah, um okay. that's uh what you have interest? Because I've I've said a few things about, about this on the show. Do you think that obviously clearly we're in a different um you know, different time now, where the vast majority of people think wrestling is, you know, what it is, predetermined, etc. And I do absolutely understand that there's a ma- there was a magic in the belief that this was on the up and up. But a lot of people are the the opinion that wrestling can't ever be successful if people know it's a work. But what do you what are you what are your you guys? A sort a of long time in fact. Terry, you go first, and then Phil jump in. Do you think wrestling could be? So we we had the whole, you know, I don't like to always throw back to WWF, but obviously it's the thing that most people know. We had the Hulk Hogan era, probably maybe some belief still. The Steve Austin era, I would have thought by then most people knew it wasn't uh, for real. But there was probably some elements of that were kind of reality, you know, reality base and the boss, and perhaps people could kind of believe a little bit. Now, you know, we're decades, a couple of decades on from that. Do you think wrestling can ever get to those heights now that the you know ninety nine point nine percent people know it's predetermined?
2: Well, I, I, I'm gonna go back to I've heard several wrestlers say this uh, before. They, they said even even back in 1981 and 82, when I'm a high school kid and I'm going to shows, I knew it was wasn't 100 percent on mm. the up and up, but there was always a guy whether it was Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer or Joe LaDuke or, uh, you know, in some cases Kamala, that you would, you would see them and you'd like, oh, okay. And it, it would make you question a little bit. Hmm. And, and I, I will even go to, to current day. And, again, I don't watch it much, but I can watch a WWE show and you, you, you know what you're getting. But then you get to that Brock Lesnar, yeah, yeah, and you like, holy crap! Is how much you know it? It it put it still puts a little doubt. Yeah, you know, is a a little glimmer of doubt making you think, damn, this might be real. Yeah, you you know, uh, so I I think I think that's the key. I I think it it would it, it would take a promoter that really wanted to achieve that. Yeah. You know, right now, I think most pr- promoters, they just want entertainment, and so they don't care if it looks believable or not. They don't care if you have to suspend disbelief. They just want entertainment. So so I, I think it's doable, but, but obviously it would be a serious challenge.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Phil?
2: Well,
1: to answer your question, yes, I think there can be a good wrestling product, and everybody still knows this is absolutely – Pre-determined, pre-scripted. I've listened to your other podcast where you talk to other hosts about it. You, you've got your favorite television shows that you've mentioned. Yeah, we yeah. all know that. You know, um, I, I I don't know what shows you watch, and but what, I don't know if you see the same television we do. But if I'm watching the show on Netflix called The Imposters, or you know whatever, I'm, I am mean, it, it's a movie. It's made up. Yeah, and that's yeah exactly. Yeah, we yeah, enjoy yeah. it. Uh, the fact that it's live action that could be fine too i know yeah. i don't i don't have a problem at all uh you know and we talk about corny's rants and they're so over the top that i think he's trying to stay relevant but uh the fact that it, it's not the days of kayfabe can it can't mean it's not something that's enjoyable and yeah. and like yeah. terry said we all knew to some degree okay that's you know when I'm a very young child watching wrestling relatives come in and say, that is as fake as it gets. And, hmm. and you're thinking, you're right. Okay. And then yeah, as I so what, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, as, yeah. Right, yeah. I don't care. I'm, I'm watching some really crazy stuff. You know, yeah. it's why I'm seeing Ox Baker, you know, and you know, seeing some really crazy stuff. But then as a, a youngster getting taken to some matches by the oldest, I see all these people bought in and they're yes. standing on their chairs, cheering yep. and they're throwing stuff in the ring. They're bought in. So yep. you know what? If everyone wants to pretend like it's real, let's pretend like it's real. And, it's, and then you start seeing stuff and you think, like like Terry said, every once in a while I see that match, oh, these guys are really mad. These guys are really fighting. Yeah. And since they, um, no, it doesn't have to be that way for it to be a good wrestling product at all.
0: Um, uh, I, yeah. I I, but I When I, you just... ask the
1: question, ironically, when you ask the question, my original thought was to get it as popular as it was you're going to have to, my first thought was back, at least go back to the days of Brock Lesnar. Somebody that stands out, that's a monster, then obviously can just take everybody out if he wanted to. Hmm. You got to have, and and I'm not watching a lot of, of, of wrestling right now, but when I do turn it on, I'm not seeing anybody, I'm not seeing a personality yet. Now, maybe there's so much of it and there's so many shows are probably out there and I'm not catching it. You said something very telling for your new listeners that don't know, your new listeners to the podcast. When you said you're not watching WWE right now or anymore, that's extremely telling. For yep. those of you who don't know, Stephen grew up living it. How many how many WrestleMania's have you attended in person? Um, so I can't
0: remember the number off the top of my head. I think it's 12, so 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 25. 31, 33, 34, 35, 12, and one Raw Rumble in the States as well. Yeah. So,
1: so how many I mean, WrestleMania's have you been to in person? Is that so? Many? 12
0: WrestleMania's in person and a, and a Raw Rumble in person in the States. So, 13 trips to North America to see wrestling. Yeah. CWS.
1: Right, so, multiple continents. Yeah. Someone that bought into WWE and is not watching it right now. That has nothing yeah. to do with whether it's kayfabe or not or whether it's. There's something wrong
0: there. They don't do pro wrestling. Is the problem? So this, so this is this is so this, this this is where I it comes back to me and and the, and the thing that frustrates me the most about right now and 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 actually you know the pandemic you know massively plays into this because I, I find that some people rave about some stuff they see on like SmackDown every week. I, I find. <laughs> The WWE product, difficult to watch because of the setting it's in. I don't like the fake sound. And and I know they're working what they've got, but it it is what it is. The one that frustrates me probably more is I think AEW had the opportunity to um, be what... I think between us, what we probably want from a pro wrestling uh, show is probably not too much difference um we, we—it's funny when uh, when the UK went negotiating Brexit, there were these things called red lines. It's like these are the things that we can't—you know—we'll give on this, and we'll give on that, but we can't give on that. That's our red line. And I think each of us have got our red lines in pro wrestling, and whether that is, you know, I don't know. They, they, there's a there's a character in um, in AEW, some a guy called Marco Stunt. He's like 120 pounds, and some people look at him. He's like, well, he's not a wrestler, and that might be your red line, or it might be. kind of silly it might be a kind of silly um a silly segment that is more entertainment than progress and that might be someone's red line or it might be these guys feel like they kick out of like 20 finishes before they before they get pinned that might be red line so everyone's got their red lines when it comes to stuff and that's always been the case with wrestling the problem with AEW is that for my taste sometimes they get it so right My, my taste now is probably more New Japan than anything else so New Japan Sports presentation, limited silliness. I don't like disqualifications, and they don't ever have that. I don't like interference. So they do too much over the last year or so. That's probably my taste. It's so pure sport-like as you can get. Serious, championship means everything. That's that's it. AEW had the opportunity to really do that, but they've, they've got their slightly mixed messages, and they've never quite got it right on TV. Though their weekly television from debut is probably a 7 out of 10, from the start to finish because there's a lot of good promos on there and if you like the athletic big moves kickouts, kick out, that style of wrestling which is not for everyone then there's enough of it in there but then they frustrate i'm i'm doing one of their pay-per-views for the this month and wrestling history podcast at the moment and i've watched the first hour and a half this morning and the first hour and a half was phenomenal but i know i know it goes right downhill afterwards um, and i'm already like feeling annoyed about this, this you know, one of the best matches in North American history on this pay-per-view that then falls off a cliff and it's like, how can that happen in the same promotion? So, sorry, big, big old tangent there but I, I just think wrestling, if someone just does pro wrestling and you get someone in there that's got some quality control and you get some, you, you the championships mean, titles mean everything, get rid of the interference, get a heel that can, I, I'm a big believer in heels winning matches without cheating. The biggest, we were talking about Floyd Mayweather um, off air Floyd Mayweather is one of the biggest heels in the history of sport. And he just, why was he such a big heel? Because he won. He just won and he won and he won and he won and he won. And you paid everyone. I paid. I'm sure you guys probably paid at some point as well. You paid to see him lose and he never, and he never lost. So that's, yeah, that's, that's where I, I, I'm a big believer that pro wrestling can be massive again, but WWE needs to remember that they're doing pro wrestling and pushing younger stars to get. Here's
1: what's missing. Here's where it started fading for me. You got to have a heel that gets heat. Yes. Yeah. To have a heel, you've got to have a baby face. Yeah. You got to have the straight guy. You've got to have the good guy. You got to have the guy that's not going to cheat. Everybody can't
0: be the bad boy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, and, and WWE particularly lost, lost the ability. I mean, I remember the last WrestleMania I went to, Seth Rollins. And, and again, this is the thing one, i tell you what frustrates, well, sorry, we're in a massive tangent. Um, so apologies for, for that. Yeah, talk, talking about baby faces, Seth Rollins at the last WrestleMania I went to, WrestleMania 35, he, he won the Royal Rumble. He's doing really, really well. He beat Brock Lesnar in the first match of WrestleMania. I was like, why is, why is a WWE title match in the first or maybe universal title match in the first match of WrestleMania. That, again, on massive tangent, but it really bothers me when wrestling companies do, like they'll put a big match on, they'll have like a buffer match. So well, the buffer match has got people in it. If you want anyone to be interested in those characters, don't have a buffer match. Just have a, just have a card like combat sports is supposed to be where you, have, you might have a more, slightly more exciting opener, but then build it and build it and build it and have your biggest matches right at the end. And that's another thing that AEW doesn't, does badly. New Japan always does that right. They publish what their card's going to be. And they, it's always like, you know, least important to most important. And it builds and builds and builds. Anyway, they killed Seth Rollins. They absolutely murdered him within the space of three or four months when he had the opportunity to be not a Steve Austin or even John Cena level, but solid like a, you know, maybe even like a Bret Hart's level, which is incredible, you know, like, like absolutely amazing. But they, 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 um, told everyone that he's he was with Becky Lynch in real life. And it's like, no one wants that. No one wants to know that. It's like, you, you know, it's all good in the background, but you don't want to see that on screen. And then it was just after that, it was just, just dire. So I think you're absolutely right, Phil. You need to be able to know how to push a baby face. And also you need to know when is the time to pull a trigger on someone turning heel to make this work. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. you got to have the dramatics in it. It doesn't matter if we're pretending it's real or not but the storyline's got to be not the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, It is, but it's not. But if you got the monster or if you got a, a guy that will uh, cheat to win and cheat the face that everybody likes because he's the, you know, the good-looking young guy, a lot of these wrestlers we're watching now on the Mid-South Wrestling and a lot of the jobbers, they don't got the look. They'll never, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. makes that but if I mentioned this before, if every wrestler on the show looks like a male model, then nobody's yeah. going to stand out.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. You need, you need, you need all shapes and sizes, and I'm a big believer that you don't have to be. Not everyone has to be 260 or 280 pounds. You can, you, right. you know, you can. I think that you know, there's plenty of scope for guys of around the, you know, high one, high maybe 180, 190 low 200s but with personalities can do super intense hard face wrestling and make it work so we're all over the place but we're, it's all good it's all good stuff so we're going to go back to basically terry taylor beat tim horner with a backside in 445 i thought this had some really good action um, even though i would have been happy this go a little bit longer and i was hopeful this would be like an eight or nine minute um what did you think of this one um phil uh, terry horn terry horner Tim Horner versus uh, Terry Taylor here. And we can get names mixed up.
1: At this time in wrestling, I absolutely always thoroughly enjoyed scientific wrestling matches. Yes, yeah. Uh, whether, whether it was here, you didn't get too many of them. But you remember um, a number of months ago, we was reviewing an episode, and they had uh, Magnum TA and some of the guys working, showing how they worked out in wrestling. Yeah, matches. that was really great. Remember yeah. that? So they kind of did a little bit of scientific wrestling, display then but if i could catch wcw they had a they'd have a mass wrestler um uh, i think it's the white knight and you know the man of the thousand holds and it, it would he wrestle one of the von erics it just you know i really enjoyed it and this one was a good throwback i really liked this match yeah i did too and um, what do you think of this one sorry
2: it, it was solid uh, you know honestly i knew tim horner had no chance to win yeah um You know, so while it was a scientific match, it was still it was no question on who would win the match, you know. So for me, it would have been better, you know, talking about a good scientific match. You got Brad Armstrong against Terry Taylor. Okay, now you got some doubt, Uh, you know, so so it was solid. I enjoyed it. But we still all knew who was going to win the match.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Tim Horner is. Yeah, there is. a. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry to interrupt.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt. He's correct, but I tell you what, they let Horner get in. And I'm not a fan of Horner by any stretch of the imagination, but there's one point in that match where um, Terry Taylor went to do a backdrop on him and and Horner leapfrogged him and turned around and gave him a drop kick that about took his head off. I don't yeah, know if he that's saw really it. good. He, yeah, yeah. He hit both those feet solidly up the chin. And for that one second, I thought, ooh, he's coming back. You know, so they got, he, Terry did a good job of putting Tim over.
0: Yes. Let's say that. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So we cut straight to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who is along with Watts and Boyd. Um, Jim agrees with the comment about the outlaws and guns. And he said he felt like Mid-South made a grave mistake by banning the two by four. Duggan said, now the gloves are off and he's bringing in his glove and he has it on a coal miner's glove. Watts says he's not giving people free license to start taking the law into their own hands, but they have to have equal opportunity to defend themselves. Duggan says that with Debiowski pulling that stuff in the park lot, parking lot, and Williams saying he's got an OK from a doctor to wear the plaster, which is just an excuse to st- take a steel rod in the ring. Basically, he's going to be, you know, looking out for himself with this uh, coal miner's stuff going forward. I thought this is good stuff from Duggan here. And um, Terry, what did you make of this and the changing of the banned items by Watts? Uh,
2: you know, it, it made sense. Uh, it was. It was, you know, well played, and I, I'm still trying to figure out why a coal miner needed a glove with those little things on the fist. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if they're actually punching holes into the earth or or what, but uh, a coal miner's glove was always cool. I just couldn't figure out how it was useful.
0: So yeah, um, I've just googled coal miner's glove, but it's all it's all wrestling stuff. You'd be you'd be surprised to hear. <laughs> uh yeah sorry. so uh, Phil, what did you think of this
1: yeah that was interesting because you know it wasn't too much before this <laughs> they had the coal miner gloves matches i told you i got to attend a, a coal miners uh glove house show mm. and you know it, they put the glove up on a pole and whoever got to it first and you know it was a non-sanctioned match but they put the glove on a pole and that's where i told you that uh um uh, one of the wrestlers was going up and about got his pants pulled all the way off. Yeah. Remember, tell <laughs> yes, that. I do. So, that, yeah. But yeah, I never, uh, I, I always remember kid, and to watch uh, those gloves on the knuckles that have those pieces of metal and you think, mm. you know, is it keeping their hands from getting crushed? Maybe if something fell. And be, never, yeah. yeah I never be. understood it, but we just, it's, all, it's a glove. I always wonder why they always had one. Why didn't he bring out both and swing with both hands? Well, I think you know? because he's so
0: good at the old and, – and genuinely, that, that one of the, my favorite Duggan spots is when he's going up against two, you know, two adversaries, is when he's doing the, the quick fire left and right. So I always think it looks really, really good. So, yeah, du- you know, double your fun with two coal miners' gloves, but perhaps that's coming soon. Um, back from break, we have gorgeous Gino Hernandez. Um, and once again, Jake Roberts interrupts and he says – he's done it by the rules, he's done it by Mid-South rules. And he says, if he doesn't get a match, the TV title, and not in an arena, he wants it on TV because he wants to show everyone what a lightweight Terry Taylor is. If he doesn't get it, he will make an example out of Taylor and end his career. So I have two questions on this. Um, Is the term lightweight used in America for someone that ends up getting drunk after one or two drinks, which is usually me, um, especially after barely drinking for the last 12 months in lockdown, um, so question question one for the panel there, is that a term that's used in America? Because that's a, quite a well-known term here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. it is. Okay, great. So that does make it across the, and, across the pond. And,
1: and by context, if you're out drinking with your buddies and he says, oh, I'm done, you can tell him, oh, you're lightweight. Oh, yeah, great. Okay, that's really yeah, good. Okay. I, I or expect or that to be no,
0: but yeah, good. Yeah. Good, I'm pleased. No, no.
1: Absolutely. Or in a sporting event, something like this, you know, he's just lightweight. He's yeah. Not one yeah, of the yeah.
0: Big yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. How interesting. Um, and then um, secondly, uh, what did you, I feel you go first in this. What did you think of the promo from, um, from Roberts here?
1: Oh man, he's coming into his own.
0: Yeah. You know, he's, 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 he's believable here. He's,
1: he's, he's, uh, his emotions and his facial expressions. Uh, he's really good on the mic. He's
0: really
2: yeah. good
1: on the mic. Yeah, really good. What
0: do you think of this, uh, Terry?
2: You talking about Jake?
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He just uh, again, like I said, you know, last week we uh, Jake the Snake. He is so good uh, on the mic. He's such a great heel. His mannerisms, his look. He's always got some gig marks on his forehead. (laughs) Uh, He is just a cool. Believable 1980s heel.
0: Yeah, definitely, absolutely. He's so, he's so good. So this was Gino's first appearance on Mid South Television since January '83, um, and Hernandez was up against Tom Pritchard here, and I was expecting good things following Pritchard's fiery debut last week. And what's puts over the upcoming future event at the Sam Houston Coliseum, which is going to be the first co-promoted event between Mid South and World Class, which is an interesting development in the world of wrestling, obviously. Um, between those two. Uh, So there's a lovely integrity from Pritchard in this after two exchange some kicks. Pritchard got a near fall with a sunset flip before Gino took back over. Pritchard missed an attempt at a drop kick as Watts said the stakes were high. Um, Gino hit a slightly sloppy version of Rick Rude's Rude Awakening net breaker. And then Gino climbed up the ropes to the adoration of the ladies in the crowd, I must say, and hit the flying back elbow for the winning 2.45. I thought Gino was a heel here, but maybe he wasn't. Um, This followed chants of Gino, Gino from the crowd. Only just under three minutes, but I really enjoyed this. Um, Terry, what did you make of this one?
2: Well, uh, to my knowledge, Gino uh, was absolutely a heel. Mm. Uh, I, I, I just think, you know, the, the crowd, um, you know, the, the, it was a large crowd, and I was trying to figure out what it was. Maybe there was so many uh, nice-looking young guys on the card that day or what, and the girls just got behind Gino, but, but uh, you know, I assumed he was a heel, but he did get a a lot of good adoration from the fans.
3: Yeah,
0: definitely. What did you think of this one, Phil?
1: I can tell you that Gino had a lot of popularity because of his
3: looks with the young ladies. I mean, Mm
1: -hmm. at this time, I'm watching WCCW. uh, They had a 90-minute show late every Saturday night. So I'm watching uh, Gino every week at this time. Uh, Both he and Chris Adams together as a tag team. Yeah. There were people that absolutely were like in the heels at that time, yeah. and you know it was it was something new in wrestling, but it was coming along.
0: Um, but it was, it was a good match. They let Pritchard get in some good offense. Yeah, Pritchard looks really good. Almost, almost a bit. we too good for this kind of advanced, like kind of an enhancement role that he seems to be adopting here. But I know that he's around for a little bit longer amidst that, so I, I suspect he'll be rising up their ranks a little bit. And um, up next, team of North American champion Ted DiBiase and Doctor Death Steve Williams going up against Private Terry Daniels and Brad Armstrong. And we have some big breaking news. Terry Daniels does not have his military gear on. And he's replaced it with a shiny red jacket. And I'm terribly disappointed with this. Um, Phil, you're, you're um, nodding. Uh, I know. You're dis- disappointed as well as this, as I was.
1: That's one of my notes. I think they when they watched back the show and saw how agonizingly awkward it was to watch him address, yes. you know, the... <laughs> Especially two weeks ago, I mean, the, the official's holding the wrestler's back so he can get under.
0: I think they realize
1: it's causing too much of a pause in the action. So they just yes. let him put on
0: his marine jacket and just take that off. Yeah. Well, half a minute is a long time when you're talking about a lot of these matches at the three and four minutes. So, yeah, too, You know, no more precious TV time being uh, taken up with this. Um, there's a big wait, 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 for, wait. sorry. Sorry, uh, no, Terry, go ahead. No, I'm
2: sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and we were just—we said a few weeks ago it took a long time for Bill Dundee to get out of his jumpsuit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, right. that's
0: right. This is even worse. i think it was the folding of the trousers that was the the bit that did for me. It's like he's got them off, but then he's <laughs> yeah. making he's sure it like
1: it's the like it as the flag, of the Union Jack, or the yeah. American flag. You know,
0: like you can't, them. yeah, you can't disrespect these trousers by by making anyone either the creases go out at all. Um, there's a big sign in oh, the front. Of, oh, go ahead, that, go ahead, you, go ahead. Do
1: you do you know the, the the story of how he got into wrestling?
0: Oh, what, Terry Daniels. I don't. No, no.
1: Oh, I got to remember. It was a great story, but it had something to do with the flag. He was a fan in the stands on mm. the floor, and if I could remember the wrestler's name, somebody's out there is going to be shouted. He got into an altercation. And it was almost like a shoot. You need to look it up. Oh, real really? Quick. I will look yeah. that up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he was holding the American flag up and he started getting beat down by this wrestler. And he wouldn't let the flag touch the ground even while he was down on the ground getting beat. So he became a kind of American hero
0: right then, where he's oh, holding wow, up the a flag, story. even
1: though he's getting, getting getting the mud hole stomped in him.
0: <laughs> by I must try and find that. I must try and find that. Um, It's a big sign in the front row that read choose death, presumably supporting Steve Williams, uh, rather than slightly more macabre uh, options there. Watts talked about the history between Ted DiBiase and Armstrong's father, and Watts said that next week Jake the Snake Roberts would get his opportunities against Terry Taylor, plus Gino Hernandez would be in tag team action along with his namesake, but not brother, Hercules. Um, At four minutes, Terry went for a blind cross body block on DiBiase, Ted ducks and Daniels smash into the referee, Williams went to hit Armstrong with a loaded uh, cast, but Duggan tried to make the save. He got Williams with Coal Miner's glove, but inadvertently ended up smashing Armstrong with it when going for And um, That part didn't look too great, unfortunately. Duggan checked on Armstrong and did a great sell job of being knocked out. What's announced that Williams and DiBiotti have been awarded the match by DQ in 4.35. Um, Phil, what did you think of this match? It's exciting. It's a good yeah. match.
1: I had some questions on it. Um, I guess... Steve had something loaded. He was wearing something. Steve Dr. Death Williams had yes. something on his arm that he was, he was loading up. Um, I did notice that at the end, he took the same punch that the Brad took, but he yeah. was able to roll out of the ring and, and Brad's totally unconscious for a yeah. long period of time. Now I enjoyed the match. I mean, that Brad, his drop kick is as good as anybody in the world. Yeah. Phenomenal. He, yeah. He's phenomenal. And of course, anytime you got Diviase in the ring, you know, fireworks are about to happen. And, yeah. and uh, I love, you know, uh, the, in the match, Diviase did the deal where he gets pushed into the ropes and instead of getting rolled up, he grabs a hold of the ropes and says, you know, it's, points to his brain, showing how smart he is, you know, like yeah, a good heel so would. Good. Yeah,
0: he's good. So good to add Diviase. Terry, what do you think of this one?
2: Yeah, any, any time we had DiBiase and Doc in the, in the ring together, they were really good. And, mm. and uh, you know, probably if I, if I had, to, had to rank some of my favorite tag teams of all time, I mean, they, they were up there. So uh, always fun.
0: Yeah, big time. Uh, so what's recapped after the break, Duggan accidentally striking Brad Armstrong. And as you said, I think Armstrong did a phenomenal job with the sale here because he was, you know, he legitimately KO'd. Um, and next up, the debuting barbarian along with Scandal Akbar going up against Shawn Michaels. And Michaels was back in his green gear with a shamrock on the back. I just can't believe it is. He must have borrowed these from someone. I just don't, I just don't believe these are Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I don't think, think there's any Irish uh, sort of patronage in, in the Michaels family, or Hickenbottom bottom family. I mean, I could be wrong. Um, the barbarian... I was expecting this to be the barbarian from the WF uh, a little bit later, but it wasn't. This was actually... Um, the person who later played the Berserker in WWF, which is John Nord. Um, So he'd been in the AWA uh, in early 85 prior to making the move to Mid-South. And this only went one twenty-one with the Barbarian winning with an elbow drop after several body slams. Um, He looked absolutely humongous in this, um, but there was not much this squash match. Um, Terry, any memories of this guy or uh, thoughts on this match?
2: Absolutely. Uh, The Barbarian it's a little bit of a spoiler uh but you know he ends up being a tag team partner with jake the snake here okay, so yeah, so sorry yeah. for the spoiler that's all right that's all uh, right and and and, and they're going to collide with with uh D-B-I-C and doc uh literally one of my favorite programs ever it was really short lived uh one of my favorite programs ever uh i remember barbarian would wear a, a shirt say weasel hater uh, and and uh, and, and he, it, it was just a cool program with 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 four guys who were all kind of fringe, good guy, bad guy. Uh, and then the, the memory that coincides with this is I have a picture and I think I posted it on Twitter and tagged you guys mm. of DiBiase smacking a fan in the parking lot at the Municipal Auditorium oh, in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, wow. Ted,
3: DiBiase,
2: Ted DiBiase and, and uh, Tom Pritchard are getting out of a car, they're walking to the arena, and some foolish fan gets in DiBiase's face, and DiBiase smacks the taste out of his mouth. Hmm. And, and I've got pictures before and after
3: that's great. That. That's fantastic. But yeah. that,
2: was the, that was the night Dibiase and Doc was wrestling Jake the Snake and a Barbarian. So the Barbarian doesn't stay long. It's short-lived. Uh, but the, the few weeks he's in the Mid-South, it, it was great, great memories for me.
0: Good stuff. So we had Kamala versus ice King Parsons up next in a big rematch from a few weeks ago. Uh, and this had a fast start with Kamala attacking Parsons before the bell and moving well in the ring. Watts mentioned that they already have Freebirds and the Road Warriors signed for the upcoming Superdome Spectacular. Um, Kamala settled in the, into the pet grab move before Iceman fought back, but alas, his comeback was brief. Watts put over Kamala's ability to use nerve holds here, um, but as a good as a job uh, as Watts was doing, I just can't take this move seriously from Kamala. I think this is. One that doesn't necessarily stand the test of time, sadly. Ice um, Iceman did get back into it eventually and took Kamala off his feet with a dropkick, which led to Hercules interfering and attacking Iceman. Scandal told Kamala to climb up to the top as Iceman tried to fight him off. Butch Reed then made the save, press slamming Kamala from the top rope into the ring as Watson he thought the ring was going to break. Reed then dropkicked Kamala over the top rope to the absolute delight of the crowd. And um, we then got a steady cam shot of the vast space between the between sorry, the vast space behind the hard camera towards the dressing room. Um, I didn't think much of the match. I've struggled with Kamala a bit, I must be honest. Um, but I did very much enjoy the post-match shenanigans. Um, Terry, what did you make of this one?
2: You know, Kamala really, uh, back then, when you, when you went to the shows, when you saw the buildup of Kamala and the way he was booked, he, to me at least, and again, in, in my mind, and I knew wrestling was not 100% real, hmm. Kamala was 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 a kind of a serious threat. Yeah. And uh, and I do remember Iceman coming into the Mid-South, and I, and I believe I got to see them wrestle at least once at a house show. And so it was pretty fun because Iceman was credible enough that you thought he had a chance. And Kamala was a scary enough heel that – it, 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 it was a nice program for me. And, and yeah. so this match kind of gave you a taste of that.
1: Phil, what did you think of this? Well, I've, I've been uh, listening to your podcast and some of your thoughts on Kamala. Um, and I tend to agree with you on this hold. because For his character that he's portraying, the hold doesn't make sense, even if it were a real hold. For example you could see a Von Eric using a claw on a head as a maneuver to take someone out. But that's, mm. that is, that is a scientific holder maneuver. Watch describes this, you know, as the, as a nerve pinch. And he said he specifically went for his left arm because Iceman King Parsons is left-handed. Mm. And so he's going for that left arm. That's not something a wild man from the jungle is going to think about. Mm. So even if for a real hold, you know the scary the scary part about Kamala is if he were to jump on you, obviously. Yeah. And this guy yeah. could jump. I mean, Kamala. I have seen him stand. He for a big guy, he moves really well. Yep. Um, I've seen him from a stand. I don't know if he used to do this before matches, but from a standing position, jump up, spread his legs out, and touch his toes with his hands. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Like a yeah. like a cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen him do that? You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah. Now, so back for me when I'm a kid and I'm trying to decide, well, is this really real or is this not? I think I remember having thoughts like, well, you know, I know a lot of professional athletes will put paint on their face or put, you know, professional American football players, put grease paint under their eyes. And, and of course you had the bar, uh, you had the road warriors that were painting their stuff up just to try to be more intimidating. So I'm like, I don't know if this guy's really from Africa or not, you know, but he's trying to, trying to scare people. Um, but the, yeah, the nerve hold didn't make any sense mm-hmm. to me for that character. He wouldn't do that, even if it were a real hold. So, I've, yeah. I've heard some of your. I can agree with some of your previous podcasts on that. And I noticed here sometimes they call him Kamala the Ugandan Warrior. The graphic will say Warrior, and then one of the announcers call him the Giant. So, yes. yeah. uh, did you were you having podcast earlier where you were several weeks ago where. You just didn't like the way the character is being portrayed? Like, was
0: it tasteless Um, or classless? No, sure. Actually, to be fair, I don't think there's been too much of that. I don't think they pushed that button as hard as I... So when Kamala popped up, I thought, this is going to be the button that's pushed too hard for me and you know, looking at this for the first time in 2021. However, I don't think they've really done that. The bit that I think you've made an incredible point about that nerve hole, because I hadn't really thought of that. It just just doesn't really fit. The bit I think I've probably got the most problem with, is I saw him squash someone, and I can't think who it was, in maybe two minutes. And he looked like an absolute monster. And I'm thinking, this is what this guy should do to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, the Iceman King Parsons match should be four minutes of him smashing him. And if if they want to do an interference on a, you know, on a um, finish so Iceman doesn't have to take take a loss. Fair enough. But I just, it should just be big splashes, like throwing him in the corner, working him over with chops and stuff. So I think this, he should be a bit more Bill Goldberg and a bit less, you know, holding the guy down with a nerve hold. I think, unfortunately, I think I've probably been um, a bit unlucky with the stuff that I've seen because they showed that Houston match with him and, Crikey Billy Jack Haynes. And it was probably eight minutes, and seven minutes of it was that peck hold, the armpit yeah. kind of grab. And it's then just like, it, I, so, yeah. So I've been unlucky, I, I, think, I think, in terms of him, because I've never, I've never, I, I, I was, you know, fairly positive on his later runs. And I know that he had some really, you know, really, really incredible drawing runs with Hogan and obviously Drew here as well. So, uh, you know, this guy's not to be underestimated, but yeah, I've not been a huge fan so far.
1: So I've been wondering maybe I, I, if uh if it's a rest if it's a rest hold for him. He's a big guy and he yeah, moves yeah, really yeah. well, but he can't last very long. That's not the right that's right not the right for some wild man out of Africa, you know, what they're portraying here or whatever. That's not the right hold. Even you know, the Von Eriks even had a stomach claw, you know, yeah. they could but it was a nerve pinch and it was debilitating, but it was a, a scientific move. There's nothing scientific uh, about this he was a scary beast and to my point about him being able to move did you see the drop kick he took out going out of the ring yeah phenomenal he yeah. landed on his he landed on his feet flipping yeah. over the top rope I can't do that
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> no me either I wonder if it's a gas tank thing he said well sorry I'm um, sorry about to jump in there
2: no no I just was going to say I, I disagree I think Skandar Akbar taught him that hold because it's the same okay. hold Kabuki used three years ago Ah, Kabuki would get that okay. hold too. I, I think right. Skandar Agbar taught him that hold and it's really more powerful than you guys are giving it. Oh, critical. no, but that is interesting.
0: There's backstory there. Like, I'll, I, I'll take that. But again, you know what? I don't, I don't. The, the submission stuff sometimes is the bit I struggle. You know, like we talk about the red red lines. So the red lines is difficult for me as an MMA fan and um, someone has always kind of been into the kind of jujitsu side of stuff, done a tiny bit myself, and now it's very very difficult to look at old submissions, and um, and and I wouldn't count things like the Sharpshooter or Boston Crab or traditional wrestling submissions. You know, I'm sure you guys have messed around with friends and put a you know a Figure Four or a Boston Crab on somewhere, But it bloody hurts. But it's it's stuff. Some yeah. stuff like this is is a bit or. or uh, you know, an arm an arm lock that is not, you know, you're not manipulating a joint or anything like that. I, I struggle with that. And that's kind of a red line for me. But I don't blame them because it's a different time. If I saw that now, I'd be like, well, that's ridiculous. But, you know, that, you know, it's, it's a different time and place where. Well, there were a, a lot
1: of holds back then that were, that would be debilitated, Like we talked about that Von Erichs had a, a head claw or something. stomach yeah. claw. Uh, you know, the sleeper holds were, were very popular mm-hmm. as far as finishing maneuvers. I'm not saying, uh, and, and I'm saying I understand to Terry's point, yeah, there was a nerve hole that would be, you clamp down on the guy's pec, it's going to uh, debilitate his arm. And a lot of wrestling back then was, I'm going to work on somebody's leg or I'm going to work on somebody's arm. So I'm I'm not even saying that it's a, a bad hold, but that should be for a very scientific wrestler. But then Terry just, Explained it right away.
3: Yeah, okay, yeah. The
1: that, yeah. But, I, yeah, there you I go. Saying, your,
2: I, I was saying it kind of tongue in cheek. Um, oh, I know. Uh-huh. I realized that. Be, no, but it, be, the, the, because, the kayfabe be, story with
1: the, the kayfabe is he's with well, Akbar. Akbar's like, yeah. hey,
2: yeah, yeah. Kabuki
1: did yeah. this. And yeah, it makes perfectly good sense to me. It, yeah, it, it does.
2: You know, but it, it it was absolutely a rest hold. Um, I, I I think you know, you, you talk about the Von Eric claw and maybe because there was so much interaction, they avoided it. Uh, but I think that would have been probably a better choice for Kamala because mm. I remember seeing him put chops to people's head and make them bleed and yeah. and him bite them on the forehead and make them bleed. So it's almost like if, if you went at the head it would have been more brutal and more gruesome but, but probably because of the Von Erics they had to make him do something else.
0: Yeah, agree. Agree. Right. Next up, we have the Dirty White Boys going against Dave Bowman. And according to the graphic Mike Jackson's, um, there was a sign at ringside that said, yuck. So perhaps that, that person wasn't a fan of the Dirty White Boys. Um, and Dave Bowman's wrestling gear was very skin colored and a little bit on the disturbing side. Because at a certain angle, you thought he was wrestling naked. <laughs> um, short work. <laughs> Yeah, not great. Short work here with Denton hitting the away slam for the winning 107. Um, Terry, any thoughts on this short match, the Dirty White Boys?
2: Well, like like I said last week, you know, the Dirty White Boys, I, I was a little bit skewed on a negative side for them because because they are the grapplers. Mm. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mask man, uh, Mark, and I love the grappler. And I tolerated grappler number two. The Dirty White Boys, I just really never got behind a whole lot.
3: No,
0: Phil. What do you think of this?
1: Now, Terry. Obviously, this can't be the grappler. The grappler had one leg shorter than the other and had to have a special boot. This guy Dad. doesn't have the handicap, right? Yeah. Grappler number one, and people accused him of having a loaded boot, but no, that was the handicap boot. And that's this, uh, Anthony here's got two two legs the same length They can't be the grappler hey i'm wondering if at this time if we could look up and see if they're pulling double duty are they still wrestling in another territory as look. the grapplers at the same time at the at the uh, like if this week there were the dirty uh, um, white boys here i think good question
0: yeah i will have a look you can you carry on um phil about this one and i will um i'll look that up
1: so, you know, obviously, as a masked man, you know, I, I watch these shows and I try to find out who, like we we're talking about previously when we were reviewing the episode with the Blue Demon, you know, who was he and was he a, a jobber uh, for, on another one of these matches? Obviously, I don't recognize the, the, the Blue Demon at, at that time. So I'm just wondering if he was also a jobber, if these guys are pulling double duty. Um but then some guys are getting paid not to wrestle. Think about this: Jake the Snake just appeared on two episodes in a row in his wrestling gear and then wrestled one time.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't think they were because um, they did a they did a run in Mid South after lose after losing a loser leaves town match in Memphis um, as the Dirty White Boys, um, and then they came into Mid South, and then I don't think. Denton was the grappler later in 85, uh, but it looks like he had switched over from Mid-South back to Championship Wrestling from Florida then. So um, not that Cage Match has everything on there, but it's got, you know, most stuff on there. So I I, I don't think it appears there was a crossover at that point. Um, Right, so next we've got something very exciting, uh, which is the thing we've all been waiting for, Kerry Von Erich whose name was misspelled on the graphic, which yes. is sacrilege. It sure was. It was really? with the of yeah.
1: Yeah, CH, yeah, yeah.
0: I know that you feel you were particularly a big fan of Kerry and the Von Erics Oh, yes. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the crowd here was absolutely electric for Kerry coming out in sort of sequin satin red. And he was up against Buddy Landell. And Watt said that goose pimples were breaking out all over him. And he's watched all of <laughs> the Von Eric's grow up. So he's like putting this over to the, to the you know, the, the absolute top there. and. Um, I'm pretty sure this was the first time Kerry ever appeared on Mid South Television. Can either of you remember seeing him prior to this? You,
2: you know my dates are always bad, but hmm. I do remember Kerry having a program with Ernie Ladd, But I don't know if this was before or oh, after. Okay. Uh, I, I assume it was before, uh, but uh, he did have a little run. As a matter of fact, it was when Kerry had the. Uh, it was like the U.S. title. It wasn't even a world class title. He had some other belt. Uh, and he did come through uh, the mid south and, and wrestle a little bit.
0: Oh, so okay. So, so did you, would that have been would that have been live events? You know, um, Terry, or or on television? Do you think?
2: I I, I really again my, my crazy brain. I want to say he did come on TV once or twice.
0: Yeah, he may I well could... have done. I think some of the some of the some of the stuff on the early 80s is a bit sketchy, but he certainly had a feud with Ernie Ladd in eighty one. Um, So I had had several matches in 81. So um, Shreveport, um, certainly Shreveport, Louisiana in, in May 81, but that doesn't, that's not down as a television taping, but maybe it was. um, And I just got it wrong. So yeah, a few in May, three in May, one in June. And and then actually um, Kerry versus lad at the Superdome actually in, uh, in November 81, two days after my birth, my my date, my dad was born actually. So um, yeah, so yeah, so clearly there was some stuff there. So I'm sure he probably was around television that time as well. Um, so where are we here? So yeah, um, what's called Kerry a former NWA heavyweight champion and the, that Ric Flair was currently running from him. And Kerry looks just in phenomenal shape here. He hit the discus punch for a near four and just over 230, but Landell managed to escape. Landell took over after Kerry missed a charge into the corner. Um, there was a hu- uh, But Kerry then hit a huge and tremendous looking high drop kick at uh, 327 Kerry applied the claw and pinned Landell with a move on. Super athletic stuff from Von Eric here. and um, I thought this was this was this was really good fun. And Phil, what did you make of, of Kerry's mid-south appearance here? A
1: couple of things. I was surprised that that
0: the discus punch didn't end the, yeah,
1: didn't really end the match. That, yeah. I've, I've never seen the discus punch didn't end it. Uh, did you see at one point when Landell gave an elbow drop and a cover? and then Kerry powered him off. Ah, oh, yeah, huge him. kick out. Yes, yeah, yeah. He, he, with his arms, he put, he threw him off and back behind him. Even the official did a great job selling. Yeah. He, he, he he saw how far he literally threw Buddy Landell. Uh, it's worth going back and watching if you, ha- if you don't remember seeing it. Uh, but he just powered him off with his arms, and Landell went flying. So, um, yeah, I think Kerry had been there before, and I do know there was a time where they – Hype, uh, Kim has
0: coming. Von Erich will be here next week, and then he—they never mentioned him. Yeah, the next week. I've been, I was watching when that was that was happening because didn't, he didn't even he yeah. appear. And they got, they maybe even twice because there was certainly one where there was a—he had, to, had a, some sort of commitment somewhere else and he couldn't appear. And Bill, I remember Bill Watts explaining that. Um Terry, what did you make of this uh, of this uh, Kerry Von Erich versus Landau match?
2: Yeah, uh, Kerry was good. Kerry was good. I- I wasn't a huge Von Erich fan then. Uh, uh, another, another quick super, Superdome story, uh, Carrie was fighting somebody in the Superdome. It may have been that Ernie Ladd match. Mm. And I remember uh, these girls were so annoying in the Superdome and they, you know, <laughs> and so what we, uh, we kind of whispered loud enough for them to hear that we noticed the Freebirds were backstage. And so these poor girls could no longer concentrate on the match because they were so <laughs> afraid that the Freebirds is going to have a run in and, and beat them up. So, uh, so, yeah, that's my carry. Wow, so,
0: so good. So good. <laughs> right. We then went back to the desk and had a slightly odd camera shot and that you could see behind the television set for the first time. And yes, I am sad enough to notice stuff like that. Watts explains that Kerry has always given back and that his son, Joel, has given us a tremendous video on his brothers, so Joel's brothers. He was a great athlete himself, but he went into the video aspect, Watts says. And he goes on to talk about Michael Watts, a freshman in junior high, and Eric, who is sophomore. And Joel has put together um, a quick little video along with Kerry and Jim Nighthart, as these boys are the wrestlers of the future. So Jim Ross is the narrator as Nightheart, who we haven't seen for over a year, is teaching Micah shot put techniques. We then cut to Kerry demonstrating the art and technique for the discus throw. And Kerry does a lovely little twirl, but thankfully doesn't release the discus in his hand into the bathroom, the change room they were in. Even though I'd have liked to have seen that and what ended up, what damage that would have caused. Um, Ross then said that Micah Watts is also an imposing figure in gridiron, plays a no playing nose guard. Reminiscent of his father's days playing for the Oklahoma Sooners. And they show Mike attacking someone for what Ross confirms was no gain. Um, we then cut to Eric playing basketball for the Bixby Spartans. And Ross says he's considered one of the best athletes in the state of Oklahoma. Slick Slim, as he's known by his friends, he's also a decorated amateur wrestler. And guess what? He's also an amazing football player. And he threw a touchdown pass of 49 yards, even though the pictures were so bad, I couldn't see this marvellous effort. Ross called them two fine young Christian athletes who appreciate their God-given talents. And who knows, we may be seeing them in the squared circle one day. So question for a pa- the panel here and jump in, whoever you are. Whoever you, uh, whoever wants to hear, what do you think the average viewer of Mid-South at the time would have made this? Was what such a super babyface character that people would have been impressed and happy that his kids were doing so well?
2: Not me. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: do you think, Phil? I mean, I'll, I'll say um, what I think after you've answered. I don't want to skew your opinion.
1: Um, at the time, you know, the. I mean, it's to now, me, it's interesting now because... Hmm the family and who they've become, and, and I'm currently, uh, I'm Facebook friends with Micah Watts.
0: Oh, great, right, um, yeah.
1: He's, he's got uh, he's got a universal uh, wrestling site. There's links to some DVDs and the house shows I might end up buying, hmm. but every once in a while, I'll drop a, a video or something of a, some Mid-South guy, and he'll like on it, but back then, I don't think I would have cared at all about what his sons were doing, because yeah. I Bill Watts was the like the president of Midspout, you know, he was a, he was a corporate guy in Kayfabe days, and he talked about the board and and all those kind of things. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I you know, obviously he's trying to push his kids here, like the Von Eric boys. You know, he was he was, I mean, he was good it, friends with yeah. Yeah. he's good friends with Fritz in real life, uh, partners, business partners with Fritz in real life. So, obviously, he's trying to promote his kids to be the next family.
0: Yeah, and I get that, and I think there's some. You know, perhaps if they were a little bit older, I would have. I do get this because I suppose you know what is it? It's three or four minutes, of t- three minutes of TV time. You know, if ultimately this leads to these guys coming in and people know them, and they get over and they're super over characters, then great. But I don't know. It's it's um, it's an interesting use of television time, know I, mean, I wasn't super against it, but it's just like you feel yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it wouldn't have been a big
1: deal. Me and all my high school buddies, we I played football on that field.
0: Mm, yeah,
1: my my team been there. My sons ended up. 20 years later playing on that football field. Yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. you know, I mean it so um yeah, were they gonna show us Boyd Pierce's grandkids next week? Yeah, I mean what's it's the interesting. Point?
0: You just think surely for their live okay, so if you think about this, this is this is this is pure promotion for live event business. Would this be better spent on a Ted DiBiase promo, you know, about Hacksaw Jim Duggan follow-up or something? I don't know, but there we go. It's his promotion, do whatever he wants, I suppose. Um so Boyd reminds of us a TV title next week featuring Jim Doug, sorry, TV title match next week with Jake St. Robert's and Terry Taylor, plus Jim Duggan teaming with Kerry Von Eric take on Hercules and Juno Hernandez, and that's it. I thought this was another very solid episode of mid South. And it certainly feels like there's more emphasis on having good wrestling matches in kind of around the sort of longer than five minute mark and, and perhaps a few fewer squashes and um, feel final thoughts on this, uh, this episode from March
1: 85. Uh, yeah. Just a couple of final thoughts. Um, You know, it's been a while since we've heard anything about a Superdome show. Yeah, there's one in May, I think. Okay, one coming up. So those are always, you know, we're not seeing the videos from there. You're asking what would I rather see than the Watts family. I'd rather see some highlights of some house show. I haven't seen any house show highlights for a while. Something else we haven't seen in quite a while is any, uh, Terry mentioned it on our previous episode, any blade jobs. He's, You know, Terry's saying he got to be the referee with uh, everybody you know, I didn't get to do any blade job. Let me tell you real quick about the one blade job I did recently. This is uh, not long after we done, I'll tell you about this. We'd, we'd uh, doing our podcast, and now I'm out in the yard in, in the summertime, and my wife and I are switching off on the riding mower and the weed eater. Right? She'll get tired of swinging the weed eater and she'll take the mower till she gets tired. So, I got you know, we got 10 acres out here. She runs across the gravel without turning the blades off and she throws some rocks and some gravel into my head. Oh no from about 10 yards. And just got a little scratch. It kind of got near my eye one back, but she saw me do this and and she she turned off the mower. So are you okay? I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. But I walked in the house, I had a couple of scratches there. Had my pocket knife. Oh no. (laughs) I really I really so up here in my hairline where I got a little hair, so it's not going to show. I thought, you know, I might leave a scar. I don't care. I'm going to try. I could not get. I pressed and pressed, and I got a sharp parking. I guess I was too scared, right? Yeah. So I finally, I finally got a little bit, kind of got a cut. But I know that it's probably better here. But I don't want to put something on my forehead. But you know, when when you cut yourself shaving, it tends to bleed forever, and you can't yeah, yeah. get it stop. Yeah. Well, so I cut it and I can't just leave a good old scratch. I said, Darn, that's not gonna work. Well, I walk outside and it's so hot, and now the sweat is running. I've got beads of red sweat running down my face. And I walk nice. out and she thought she had really leveled me good, bad, you know. <laughs> so I just had those of my one blade job. I just had to pull it one time. Wow, and,
0: that's incredible. So, yeah, that's good. That's good.
1: good. Good show. Uh, uh, not as good as the previous episode, but they all can't be the best,
0: right? Oh, you can't exactly you can't have a you can't have a 10 out of 10 every week. Um, Terry, final thoughts on this, uh, this March 3rd episode of Mid-South.
2: Uh, I, I agree with Phil. Uh, enough great guys and enough great feuds that you definitely go, go out to the arena and, and, and see, the, see the card because uh, a lot of good stuff that they're advertising there.
0: Yeah, really good stuff. Right, I will tweet out your Twitter info if anyone has any Mid-South questions for either of these expert guest hosts. And thank you very, very much for your time covering two episodes again. I'm sure we'll speak again before too long. Any any final words for it we head out of here? Stephen,
1: if anybody's listening that has attended the matches at the Irish McNeil Boys Club, I'd love to hear from them. They should yeah, tweet you. Yeah. They should get on and co-host and tell some memories that
0: they had. I have got one guy lined up, uh, but it's probably going to be April or May, I think. But we uh, have got at least one person that was at some of these matches, definitely. Cool. Good. Terry, any final words?
2: No, uh, but along those same lines, you know, uh, Mr. Olympia is is kind of out of the picture for now. But if he comes back in, uh, you know, I know Jerry Stubbs really well. And I also know Carl Fergie. And oh, so. Pretty, so, maybe, yeah. so so maybe, maybe one of these episodes we could get Carl. Because I'd he's, love to have him usually, on, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's usually in the ring with us, and so we can get his feedback on some of these matches as well. Yeah, because he was be still great.
0: wrestling right at the start of my, of the of the run I watched. So, yeah, that would be amazing. So we'll, perhaps we'll do a do a four-way and get some questions for Carl Fergie. That would be, that'd be fantastic. But, gentlemen, thank you very much again. I really appreciate it, and we'll speak to you again very soon. Thank you.
2: Thanks, guys. Hello everybody, I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express and if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's number one Mid-South Wrestling Podcast check it out, all the products that's on redbubble.com People Mid-South Moments they have everything from t-shirts, phone cases, mugs remember now, redbubble.com People Mid-South Moments
0: Thanks very much, Ricky, and that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments.